Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Aren't we thankful? Praise God. We have so much to be thankful for. If the Lord hasn't done anything for you in the last few days, but just allow you to be here this last Sunday. Amen. Just to hear the message Sunday. Amen. What a tremendous, anointed, timely word from the Lord. Not a random word. Not a one-size-fits-all message. But I'm thankful for the word of the Lord that touched our hearts Sunday morning and thankful for Brother and Sister Campbell and the anointing that is upon their life. And I give honor to the Lord. Amen. I'm humbled when God just speaks to us. <laughs> Amen. He just, just speaks to us. And I want to take that word and not forget it, but I want to hide it in my heart. And I want to understand the privilege of, of uh, what it means to truly worship the Lord. As in most cases, we spent the uh, couple of hours, a few hours with them after church and he said, you know, it just something came to me after I got through preaching. It happens a lot of times. But he said, he said, I just got to thinking about the that uh, Naomi holding Obed and and how that, that typified worship. And he said that worship is only for those who just reach out and pull it to them. Worship is to those who will be active and apart and 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 step into that. Amen. And I wanna I wanna I want to let the Spirit of God help me to enter into an atmosphere of worship when we come into this house. Not to just strike up the band, amen, but just to touch the core of our heart and let the presence of the Lord touch us today. I'm thankful that you're here. God bless you for being here on this Tuesday evening, and we're just going to ask God to touch his word to our heart. I just want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving, if that'd be all right. Amen. I want to talk about Thanksgiving. It's... uh, if, if you're like most people, we're all kind of looking around us and wondering, when did November get here? <laughs> and uh, in the most literal sense, it just seems like yesterday we were beginning the year and now we're preparing to wave goodbye. But we have so much to be thankful for. God has done so many wonderful things in our life. We are... Um, certainly obligated in our spirit to be thankful. We should feel that way at least, to be thankful for what God not only has done for us individually and as families, but how God has blessed our church. And uh, I'm grateful for that. We all have our fair share of battles and we've had them this year, but I'm thankful that God has brought us to where we are. We're not here by accident. So as we enter into this Thanksgiving weekend, I wanna truly be reflective of the things that God has given us. Amen. I want to be reflective on the things that God has given me, and I'm appreciative of that. I, I just simply refuse to focus on the things that I don't have. 
We've all got some blank spots and some skips, but I, I don't want to focus on the things that I don't have, but I want to focus on the things that I do have. It may seem trivial in some, to some degree, but in truth, we have been so blessed of the Lord and so powerfully anointed of God, his hand upon our lives. I, I think about today how many of us have been blessed of God. I'm looking at blessed people here tonight. I, I'm looking at blessed people. And so I don't want to give in to put all my time and energy and attention to the things that may be absent in my life. But I want to I pause and say, thank you, Lord. It's easy to sound a little bit trite and shallow when we are talking about Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving time, but we truly ought to be thankful every day for the goodness of God, and I trust that we are. There are many scriptures that validate and cultivate the mindset of thankfulness. First Timothy 6 and 8, the writer pens these words, and having food and raiment, let us, therewith, let us be therewith content. So if you have got something to eat and you've got something to wear, right there's enough ingredients in our life to have the spirit of contentment. Paul wrote to the Philippian church in chapter two and verse number 14. He said, do all things without murmurings and disputings. The 23rd Psalm, often quoted, often reflected on, but the 23rd Psalm even touches upon the attitude of being content, and I'll I'll come back here again a little bit later, but the psalmist David penned these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. There's something powerful about the hand of God that is upon our life. He's my shepherd, he will take care of it. He has it in his hands. Solomon, Solomon wrote in chapter 15 of Proverbs, Verse number 16, Solomon said, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Amen. Better is little in the fear of the Lord or better is little with the presence of contentment than much treasure or great treasure with trouble there. In Philippians 4 and 11, Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in, I am therewith to be content. Paul also penned the words, uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. And so there are many scriptures, and I'm not just trying to blow through, a, uh, through how many scriptures we can tonight, but there, there's a lot of passages of the word of God that speak about the spirit of contentment. And so for just a little while, that's what I wanna talk about tonight, allowing the Lord to help us learn and develop to be content where we are and let the spirit of God touch us. Now, I know we often struggle with a desire between trying to better ourselves and being complacent and so I'm not talking about betterment, but sometimes the things that we do to better ourselves haven't bettered us at all. Sometimes they set us back. I wanna let the Lord bring a spirit of contentment in my heart. I always wanna be reaching for greater things in life I want to be as much as I possibly can and, and I want to be as much as I can in the kingdom of God and I want to do all that I possibly can but I also want to, uh, the Lord to help me to be able to find the balance of where I need to, to find that contentment in him and just walk in that peace. 
You know, there's just something about taking on a big project and then finishing it, perhaps if it's just a, a project that lasts a day or ever how long, but if it's just a project that comes to an end, how wonderful it is to walk back out and kind of view it from a distance and that spirit of contentment that comes with knowing that a job has been completed at the end of the day. A lot of times my wife and I enjoy working out in the yard and so at the end of the day, we may just wanna go back out where we've been laboring all day. Back out where at moments we didn't know if we could bear another another degree of the sunshine and we didn't know if we could handle it. But when the sun begins to set and the day cools, we walk back into the same area where a moment ago or a few hours ago we were laboring and we want to look back upon what we've been able to accomplish in the course of that day, a spirit of contentment. And I pray, Lord, let us do the same thing spiritually, be able to walk back into the fields of labor or seasons of distress and say, Lord, I just want your spirit to refresh me now and breathe upon my heart. Amen. I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be driven by the wrong thing, but I want to strive to make sure that it is the spirit of the Lord that is motivating me and not just my flesh. Not my flesh that's driving me from one whimsical thing to another, but let me be motivated by the flesh. In our walk with the Lord, at times we are going to need to look beyond a dictionary to help us understand the real definition of contentment. Contentment I believe is a mental and a spiritual state. I don't think we can just define it with a few words, plaster them on the wall, and feel like that we have it all down. But I believe it's something that's got to be into the, the fabric of who we are, into our heart, into our lifestyle, to help be a part of the makeup of us. Amen. It's not just satisfaction with possessions. It's not just satisfaction with some sort of status in life. Amen. And so it's important that we keep our mind on the things of God and to be so thankful. I am confident tonight that if we were to pass this microphone around, there are not just some legitimate wants in this building, but there are probably some legitimate needs in this building. Amen. That would be a fair statement. I think a very fair statement. But in between here and there, I want the Lord to be able to baptize my mind and my heart with a spirit of contentment. Let me walk with you, not in a sense of frustration, not in a sense of just busyness, but put something in my heart that settles me. And so that's why it's so important for me and you to keep our mind on the purpose of God. We sometimes look at the path that we are on and we wonder why. We may look at the very season of our life that we're walking through right now and wonder why. Amen, what is, is it about me that has set me on this certain trajectory? Why is it my shoulders that are bearing this particular load? Why am I facing this or facing that? One minister said it best when he penned these words. He said, I've got to rest assured that if God would send me down some rocky path that he will surely provide me with strong shoes and strong ankles. God's not just gonna put me on this path and then ill-equip me for the path, but he's gonna give me enough to help me walk all the way and to walk that with success. God never will send us down any journey and then let us be ill-prepared for that journey. He may, he may equip us day by day moment by moment at times, but God always moves with a purpose 
He always moves with a plan. So that's why the writer of Hebrews said, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I don't have to run your race, and thankfully you don't have to run mine. But we run the race that is set before us, and God then prepares us, each one individually. Amen, the journey ahead. Whatever that is, it's mine. But God is with me, and I am with him. And in that combination, I know I'm going to be able to make it because he set me on this path. You see, life is not just merely wrapped up with just a destination. Life is not just about a destination. But there's a journey all along the way, life lessons to be learned and opportunities for me and opportunities for you. A few weeks ago, my wife and I, after general conference, took a few days off and we went out to uh, more to the western part of the U.S. than we had ever been and we were headed to a specific portion of a state to visit and as we began to make hotel or attempt to make hotel reservations, there were, in the place that we wanted to go, there were, was not a room to be found. And so we, it, we, for several hours or at least a few hours, we kept trying to find a room and couldn't find and couldn't find and we were headed to a specific town or at least to a specific area I'm not exactly sure what was going on in that particular area, but there, all, the, all the motel rooms were all gone. And so that meant that we we're gonna to have to change our plans. We still wanna to get to the destination. We still haven't changed our mind about where we wanna go. It's just that now the path is gonna take us several hours on a different journey. Well, I can admit that I was kind of dreading all that extra driving until I figured out the path that we were on. As we began to drive, we were seeing some of the most beautiful things that an eye could behold. It seemed out of the way. It seemed off the beaten path. But all along the drive, the next day, we kept looking to one another and just saying, just think. (laughs) If it hadn't have been for this uh uh-oh, we would have missed every bit of this. We were so excited about the drive, we've even suggested that portion of highway to other people that may be going that way. And so that's how it is so many times in life that sometimes we think this is just, this has messed up my whole plan. I don't even know where I'm gonna go from here and how are we gonna figure it out and how are we gonna calculate all these extra miles or all these extra days into the trip. But God is trying to get us over here because he's simply saying, I wanna show you something. I wanna teach you something. Life is not about a destination, but it's a journey to enjoy the journey along the way. And so before you curse the path that you're on, we should open our eyes wide and say, God, you may have me here for a reason and I don't wanna miss that reason. And we may discover something that we would have otherwise missed had that simple thing never come our way. It's very important, I think, for us in life to understand the differences between instinct and learned behavior. There are some things in life that we just simply need no training for. God instinctively put that in us at birth. He placed it there. You don't have to teach a newborn child nor a newborn animal how to nurse. That is just something instinctively there. No lesson is required. However, there are some things in life that are not instinct. Therefore, it has to be learned behavior. There's a learning process and and generally, when any kind of learning process, you've got to be pretty intentional 
about learning something. It's not going to fall out of the sky. Not just going to happen, happen to, to come in our life or in our head. We're going to have to be intentional if we're going to learn something. And so when we find ourselves that's on a path that sometimes is leading us to a place of discontentment, I need to pause and say, wait a minute. Am I missing a lesson here? I want to learn from this. I want to be able to figure out. I want to be able to figure out what it is that God is wanting me to glean from this particular part of the journey. And I believe that contentment is learned behavior. Have you met people that just have figured out contentment, at least to a degree? And they are so peaceable to be around because the circumstances of their life, I'm not suggesting they never have a worry or a sleepless night, but there's just something about them that is so settled in their spirit. We've been around certainly people that have no contentment. And we, there's a big contrast there, right? You don't get it at birth. Life is not gonna hand you this along the way in small pieces. You gotta be intentional about the issue of contentment. Paul said, not that I speak in respect of want in Philippians 4 and 11, for I have learned, there it is, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I've had to figure this out. Now, Paul certainly was a qualified writer because Paul had drank out of the finest of finest and Paul had been down to the lowest of lows and he was well qualified to say, for I have learned that wherever I am in life, wherever God places me, right there I'm gonna be content. It was Paul's content voice in the midst of a raging storm that was about to take life and limb who said there is an angel that has stood by me this night, a man who was not in favor perhaps of being in that situation, but he understood that God has a desired and a designated end. The wind is not blowing for naught. We are not here for no reason. God is gonna bring something marvelous out of this. And so perhaps to answer that, the answer to that question Often uh, we, we see that passage of scripture that Paul says, I've learned how to be content. Amen. But it seems like that scripture leaves a little bit of something out. And that is how do you do that? I've learned how. Well, can you share with me that nugget? Amen. Maybe the answer is found in the choices that we make in our daily life. Amen. I can assure you that in the spirit of this, the spirit of this world, the world that we live in is not cultivating the spirit of contentment. There's nothing around us to cultivate to be content where you are. Amen. That's not what you're going to find promoted in our society. Amen. As a matter of fact, we are challenged, all challenged on a very regular basis to the next big thing because that's just the spirit of the age in which we live. Back in April of this year, I bought a, a, a new truck, or at least a new-to-me truck. Six months after I purchased that, just uh, last month, the dealership where I bought the truck called me, wanted to know how things were going, and said, we just was, wanted to know if you were interested in trading that truck in and getting you a new one. <laughs> I started laughing. I said, are you serious? I said, I've only had the truck for six months. Oh, okay, but just want you to know. But that's the spirit of the age we I hadn't even figured out all the, the little buttons and the knobs yet. What are, you, what are you talking about? You want to trade it in? It's the spirit of the age. Surely by now you want to get out from under that and, 
and move on. Surely by now you have found something else to catch your eye. Surely by now something else has your attention or something else has got your heart. The spirit of the age. But Solomon had such a much different approach to it all when he said better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble therewith. Better is a little with contentment than a great treasure with the trouble that perhaps may follow that. And so I want, I want the Lord to help me to develop a thankful spirit and a thankful heart. I want to never divorce myself from the attitude of bettering myself. I don't ever want to disconnect myself from the attitude of bettering myself, but until that time comes, I want the Lord to put something in me. I want God to put something in my heart and in my spirit to be content in the state wherever I am. Amen. I want the Lord to help me in trying times. It's so easy to lean in the wrong direction when we're faced with situations and circumstances that don't make sense. If we're not careful, we can get on such a pursuit to find an answer that we will lend our ear to the wrong voice. It's the truth. It's human nature to want to, to, want to assign blame for situations where we are. We're, we're living in an age where no one wants to take ownership for the things that perhaps even they've caused in their own life. But we won't always want to, we see people today that are always looking for someone to blame, some other, somebody else's nail to hang their peril on. Nobody wants to step up to the plate, but it's just human nature. That is just human nature. And uh, I think I've shared with you before, if you've seen this little video, it's made a, a pass several times on Facebook of two little boys that got into some kind of color or paint or something and and uh, so the dad is kind of, he's not being mean with him. It's, it's almost too funny to get mad about. And uh, the father is, is trying to figure out just who it was. And, and the, the one brother sitting in front of the other brother. And, and so he's saying, whose idea is it? And the, the one brother's not wanting to rat his other brother out, but he just keeps cutting his eyes around. <laughs> if you've seen the video, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't want to sell him out, but if you can just look into my eyes... I can, I, can, I can tell you where this all started. Mind you, he's got as much pain on him as his brother has. But we just gotta find somebody else to nail this on. We've gotta put, some, but that's human nature. Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent. Amen. But in truth, it was the voices that they listened to that made the biggest difference. I heard a preacher years ago say, really in the Garden of Eden, it, the problem wasn't the apple in the tree, it was the pear on the ground. <laughs> Amen. Because we're listening to the wrong voices. And it's that influence that staggers our steps and it brings an uncertainty to confidence that we need in God. There are very few, if any, here this evening that doesn't have something that really is worth complaining about. However, it's up to us what voice we're going to listen to. It's up to us I can continue to blame people and life and situations for my station in life. Or I could just say, Lord, I want you to help me to get the most I can out of this. Whatever there is for me to learn, whatever there is for me to take home away from this, I want to do that. I gotta make sure that I focus on the right things. If pleasure is our goal, then I can promise you this, it's gonna lead to a lifetime of emptiness if that's what we're seeking because there will always be an emptiness at the end of pleasure seeking. 
Proverbs 21 and 17, the Bible says, he that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth treasure shall be a poor man. You're always gonna come up short. First Timothy 5 and 6, but she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And so if we're just seeking after pleasure, amen, isn't that the society we're living in today? I mean, you, you just think about, I was talking to someone this weekend, you just think about the hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm glad I'm an American, wouldn't want to be anywhere else, so please don't take my remarks wrong, but when you look around and you think about the hundreds of millions of dollars that are spent every day on pleasure in America, just entertaining ourselves, there, there are many, many places in the world that could not even relate to what we do for pleasure. That's the, the absolute truth. I mean, I want to make something very clear. I don't think there's anything wrong with pleasure and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling good, but that's a very poor life goal. Because life is made up of so much more than that. So in order to possess true contentment, we have to find its origin. In truth, contentment is birthed, I believe, in appreciation. When we really have an appreciation for the things that God has given us. And let me just underline it one more time. We don't have anything that God hasn't given us. Whatever we possess in life, God was the author of that gift. It's not our mind, it's not our last name, it's not our shrewd business sense, but it is God that give us what we have today. I'm, I'm always encouraged when we begin to read through the beginning of the Bible and as God just began to need things, he just put it in man. If he needed a carpenter, he put carpentry skills in man. When God needed somebody to hew and cut stones, he put that ability in a man to be able to do that, in a person to be able to do that. When God needed someone to be able to, to, to do all the things with make vessels of gold and silver and all of those things, God just put that in man. And that is still in man today. What a gift. And so I, I want to have an appreciation for what God has placed in my heart and my life. It's the ability to look beyond what's just standing in front of us and, and, and look beyond down the road, the bigger picture, and just see how much differently it would be if, if it had not been for the hand of God. To look at what we have and not what we are missing. There are many articles that float around, of course, uh, during the holiday seasons. I saw this one several years ago and tucked it away from that time until now. There's a few different variations of this, but you'll get the point. The author is listed as unknown. But they pen these words. For the teenager who is not doing the dishes, but watching TV, because that means he is at home and not on the street, so for that I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the taxes I pay because that means I'm employed. I'm thankful for the mess to clean after dinner because that means I've been surrounded by friends and family. I'm thankful for the clothes that are a little too snug because that means I have more than enough to eat. I'm thankful for a lawn that needs mowing and windows that needs cleaning because that means I have a home. I'm thankful for all the complaining I hear about the government because that means we still have freedom of speech. I'm thankful for my utility bill because that means I'm warm in the winter and cool in the summer. I'm thankful for the lady behind me that still sings off key because that means I can still hear. 
I'm thankful for the pile of laundry and the ironing because it means I have clothes to wear. I'm thankful for weariness and aching muscles at the end of the day because that means I'm still capable of working hard. I'm thankful for the alarm that goes off early in the, in the early morning hours because that means I'm still alive. We have so much to be thankful for. All of those that I mentioned and more could be enough to complain about. We could complain about the teenager watching TV. We could complain about the lawn that needs cutting and the windows that need to be cleaned. We could complain about the utility bill and we can complain about the government and all of those things could either give birth to one or the other (laughs) or we could say, thank you, Lord. Because of this, that means I have this. Amen. So we truly when we truly consider contentment because contentment is a matter of choice. It's a matter of vision. It's a matter of my mindset. Contentment is an attitude of the heart and mind. And our choices and attitudes are gonna have a great effect on how we see the world. I meet people all the time and you meet the same people or people like them that you couldn't make them happy no matter what. My wife and I were in the grocery store yesterday picking up a few things and there was a lady standing there. She couldn't quite reach what was on the shelf and I didn't know she was so grouchy when I offered to help her. (laughs) I'm trying to think in Jesus' name I would have helped her anyway, but I'm gonna, it got hairy for a moment. I'll just put it that way. And so I reached up on the counter, reached back deep in the shelf and and I had a little, I had a vest on, and so the end, the whole thing is we figured out she thought I worked there, and it was still wasn't to be a reason to be so bristly, but nevertheless, and so we're just trying to help her, and I just realized at this moment there's just no right answer for this lady, and so I was just trying to break the ice a little bit. She said, "I thought you worked here." I said, "No, ma'am, I don't," and now I'm going to have to charge you for all this that I've just done. <laughs> she didn't see the humor in it that you just saw. I just kind of got the buggy and got out of there. But I thought, boy, now that just must be a pleasure to be around every day. Just imagine, imagine having your horse hitched to that wagon every day. Was, oh, my word. Oh, my word. Just can't get it right. It's how we see the world. It's that worldview. I don't want to have that jaded view. I want to be able to say, thank you, Lord. You've been good to me. I've got some unanswered prayers in my life. I'm not alone here. I've got some question marks that plague my spirit at times. I'm not alone here in that. But when I look around and I see the good things that God has done, I just am determined to keep an attitude of contentment and thanksgiving because that becomes the glass through which I see life. That becomes the glass through which I see life. And so one person in trials and great problems are gonna throw up their hands and quit while another person facing a similar situation is gonna become more grounded and founded in their walk with God. I wanna be in that latter group. I don't wanna be that person that just gives in and gives up. But let whatever I'm going through, let that establish my steps and my ways before you. Amen, because we've heard the cliche, probably I've even used it in years gone past in error, that trials make you bitter or better. Really, that's not true because things that we go through, problems in life, they don't make you bitter or better. They reveal what's there. They really reveal. Trials is pulling the cover off. 
taking the curtain down and it just reveals what's there. And so contentment becomes comes from a disciplined mind and a disciplined heart because, because life can be won or lost in our attitude. Content mind, what a great blessing. Content mind subdues our desires, therefore making it far more likely for us to be able to truly discover happiness because contentment is a real rare jewel. I mentioned it earlier, but in the 23rd Psalm, it, there's a hidden treasure on contentment. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so if you're not content where you are, I can promise you this, you won't be content where you're going. Now we've all had just miserable, we've all had days where we were miserable and I'll just use this illustration and I hope I'm not alone in this. But have you ever had these days where when you're outside you want to be in and you go inside and you want to be back out? <laughs> it's not a pop quiz. You can shake your head. We all have those seasons of our moments of our life. We're just kind of that discontentment and I'm thankful those are just blurbs and short, hopefully, little little moments of our life. But can you imagine going through your whole life being that way? And if that is the case, if you are not content where you are, you're not going to be content with where you're going. It's not going to find. Many, many, uh, you know, many times we, can, we can't deal with the man in the mirror. We can't, it's that person staring back at us at every day. That's the real problem. And so that's who I got to work on. And so what is the requirement? For being content. Paul truly simplified contentment in 1 Timothy 6 and 8 because he said this, and this was one of our opening scriptures, having, having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. And so if we have these basic fundamental things, this is what the writer is telling us, if we have these basic fundamental things, then that is enough that we should be content. And I will say this, and, and I'm sure that I am that I'm speaking to people who know enough to agree with me that sometimes and all too often, the bigger house and the fancier the cars, the sadder the people are that own them. It's the truth. That's the gospel truth. And I'm not speaking against those things, but I'm just telling you that many times, the bigger the things, the bigger the toys, the sadder the person is inside. I mean, I don't mean to be harsh or say this to be unkind, but I will tell you this, and I think most parents would agree that when we try to satisfy every little whelm of our children, they grow up to appreciate very little. You ever wondered what happened just playing outside? <laughs> I think I'm talking to people here who remember the day the days when you got up and, and you went outside and either you didn't go back in or you couldn't go back in. I'm, I was trying to figure out how to say that and not make your parents sound barbaric. But I'm thirsty. There's a water hose. You No matter what excuse you had, they had an answer. They had a ready answer. And it forced you it forced you into a world that put some real things in you because you learn how to be content with what things you had. So sometimes they weren't fancy things. But so much, so today there's so much to offer, not just children, but there's so much to offer us until we're not content with anything that we have. The more we get, the more we want. But real contentment is a process of thanksgiving and appreciation. 
So how much is enough? And, and, and how do we define success? And how do you measure that? And, and do we measure success in the same way that God measures it? I, I doubt it. I mean, what breaks your heart? Is that the same thing that breaks the heart of God? Is, are we, is that mind in us that is in Christ Jesus? Are we really getting those prayers through? We have recently concluded a series on the book of James. And in that book, James talks so much about how we use our mouth, our tongue. Our mouths will tell where the treasure of our heart is. Philippians 2 and 14 says, do all things without murmuring and disputing. The King James Version of that same scripture says, do it without complaining. The ESV says, do, do the same things, do those things without grumbling. Amen. You know, complaining on a regular basis becomes habitual. Hear me, please hear me. Complaining on a regular basis becomes habitual and I believe that that can become a spiritual matter that we can be so discontent that bleeds over into our spirit and you can't find anything right about anywhere in life. Amen, one person starts finding fault and if you, once a person starts, once a person starts finding fault, unless you get that under control, you, that can consume every facet of your life. And so I say, Lord, help me to understand the value of contentment. I, I don't want to, be content and claim that with my mouth and my heart be the complete opposite of that. But I want the spirit of the Lord to touch me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet and let my life be a testimony of what God can do, our lives collectively to be a testimony of what God can do. Amen, let's stand together. Musicians, you can stay where you are if you'd like. First Timothy 6 and 6 says this. Again, some of our opening scriptures. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, great gain. We like the sound of that. Great gain. But how do we obtain this great gain? According to 2 Timothy, it's going to require teamwork. And so let's look at the team. The team is godliness and contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We need these coupled together. In America, we seem to measure a lot by gain and prosperity. We measure someone's success by what they wear, what they drive, where they live, etc. But really, shouldn't we look to find richness in somebody's life and the measure of contentment that they have in their heart. They're in complete peace with where they are in life. And so here's the crux of it all. God is our source, and so whatever we may need in life, he is our source. Therefore, I need to ask myself some very serious questions. And that is, are we honestly thankful and content with the things that God has given us? Are we really appreciative of them? Is there room for improvement in our ability to learn how to be more content with the things that God has blessed us with? You know, we all feel um, in our life when we all have really in, in reality uh, areas of our life where we have needs and, and wants. That's human nature. However, in the meanwhile, I want my heart to be filled with praise. I want God to do in my heart and my life what Brother Campbell was preaching about Sunday morning. I don't know about you, but I've been stirred to the core since Sunday. 
Amen. I want to be able to take that child. I want to bring worship. I want to bring it to me. I want to embrace that. I want to be changed and challenged by, by the spirit of the word of God. If anyone had a reason to complain, I'm not trying to re-preach the message, but if anyone had a, a reason to be bitter, as a matter of fact, that's what she called herself was bitterness. But that's not what others called her. She had been changed by the power and the presence of the Lord. And I'm thankful for that change. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful tonight to be an American. And I'm thankful that this week our nation will pause and we will give acknowledgement to a hand that's bigger than ours, a heart that's bigger than ours, a God that has blessed us beyond we could ever dare dream or imagine. Amen. I'm, I'm not asking you to ignore your problems tonight and I'm not trying to candy coat anything serious you may be walking through, but did you ever dream in your wildest day that life could be this good? Amen. I'm not ignoring your needs or your wants. But God has blessed us. I had an uncle, and I think this happened to many people, but I, um, I had an uncle years ago that used to tell the story of the government trying to offer his dad a bunch of land around here and down on the river for sale for 50 cent an acre. And we're just sitting there thinking, why didn't you buy it? And he said, but who had 50 cent? There's just one little fly in the ointment. Nobody had 50 cents. But that's not where we are today. Amen, our children, I'm being very honest, sometimes our children walk around with more money to their name than many of their grandparents even possessed in their, in their adulthood. And so we're thankful God's been good to us. Amen, and I wanna be thankful. I don't wanna just eat in a few days and I don't wanna just be with family in a few days, but I really wanna be thankful that God has blessed us. Amen, may the Lord bless you. I love you with all my heart. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family